This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. Did you see that thing on Twitter with the tree falling over? Yes, yes I did. I mean, that has to be fake, right? Nah. No, probably not. Really? Probably not. I, I went and Googled for it to see if I could sort of find the, the YouTube vid, because I'd seen it on Twitter. Right. Um, and when I did, I couldn't find it, because I was going to show my kids. And, yeah, I couldn't actually find it, and I found a, another video on YouTube. So I think it's, yeah, probably actually legit. Uh, but no, I sort of looked at that, and I was like, oh, crikey, okay, yeah, I, that that will probably do me in, actually. Uh <laughs> asthma and everything else i think that that would be uh that would be quite bad that yeah that just looked awful yeah just the way that all that yellow just like puffed up from nowhere yep like when the tree hit the deck i just assumed it was because i find like i'm seeing a lot of those fake cgi things lately mm-hmm. have you yep. seen the one with the bowling robot mm, don't think like this so. robot arm picks up a bowling ball and spins it really quick and then lets go and smack it does a strike down the bottom right. of the lane um there's another one like were they, I'm sure there's something to do with a robot, um, like the robot attacking somebody. Yes. And it looks like properly decent. Was um, that the one that was supposed to be in the um, the Boston Boston it. labs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And someone tweeted saying like how consumer-grade CGI stuff is just getting really good, which yeah. now we need to be even more aware of like fake stuff yeah. than, we've, yeah, than we've been already, really. Yeah, I think it's, it's really becoming a big deal now. Yeah, especially with the potential of um, of actual sort of like deep fakes and that that end of stuff as well, where it's sort of manipulating people's image. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where, well, it's on its way. Have you seen the Joe Rogan one? No. Nah. Wow, that's scary. It's some company that has claimed to listen to his voice on like his podcast, and then yep. they just recreated this whole like, you know, him speaking, and it it sounds just like him. Like right. they could make it say anything, you think, well, that's obviously Joe Rogan, and then, yeah, they can make him say something terrible, and then people think it was him. It's, it's frightening, actually. All of his was. mannerisms and and everything else, yeah. I guess. It's, yeah, it's you, honestly, I couldn't tell the difference. To the point where I thought the fact that they were saying it was fake was almost the gag. Yeah, it was almost like they were taking the viewers for a ride, uh, making out it was some deep fake when it was just actually him. Hmm. Then he tweeted, being like, oh my god, this is really good. <laughs> um, yeah, probably yeah. a little bit freaked out as well. I mean, I guess they've got hours and hours and hours of his voice for, like, training. But So I yeah. don't know if they could just pick someone off the street and just record you for five seconds, like, at a checkout. And then be able to completely rip you off for the rest of your life. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how advanced it is, but that, whatever it was, it was impressive. Yeah, yeah, very much. I can imagine, mm. like, with something like that, that with a big enough library uh you could perhaps get close enough to somebody else if you imagine you've got like you know thousands and thousands of people mapped to that level and then you have a secondary mapping that's done off the five or ten seconds um that kind of does your voice but matches you to somebody who sounds similar to you if you get what i mean you could probably get like maybe like a reasonable percentage enough close to you but anyway, yeah, uh, it's a side of the future that I sort of feel a little bit apprehensive about. Um, and part of it for me is like, um, like you said, you th- you thought that um, it was something done for the show, and that you know perhaps he was in on it. Uh, and then like 
he wasn't well I could see that sort of angle being used for um, for these sort of fakes yeah, if you want kind of plausible deniability just put a shitload of fakes out there into the world and then the thing that you really did is sort of buried inside of all of that yeah um, I, yeah I think there's certain politicians would really love that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and these things are, it's only going one way these things are going to become more frequent and they're going to get better in their quality yep. and in their accuracy yeah yeah it um, raises a whole load of questions that I'm frankly not ready to even think about at this point but yeah it's kind of kind of terrifying yeah it sort of makes me feel a little bit like I, I just kind of want to go yeah no I'm, I'm too old for this uh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> too too hard pile I am so tempted to revive that mirror app that I was putting together last year. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can believe that. The Could one, I, the one I've it. got really wouldn't take much work to get get operational. Um, very, very tempted. Had all the features of that one. It did. Yeah, yeah. And then I was actually well, extending it out to have a bit more going on. I mean, I mean, I guess just for like for people listening in case this ends up in the show <laughs> there was a tweet about um sort of how you can use sort of play the game a little bit as a developer to try and earn money and maybe do things that aren't in the best interest of the user and i forget the name of the guy but he was saying he made a, this mirror app that showed an ad as soon as you launched it then showed another ad like full screen ad i think was it 30 seconds later or 90 seconds later i can't quite recall right anyway the long and short of it is is I think he said he made a million dollars from this mirror app on his on an iPhone, which is essentially what just using the front facing camera with a few little bells and whistles, right? Yeah, I mean, bear in mind that doesn't say over what time period and all of that, but a million dollars, a lot, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that's that's gross. That's after, that's before Apple take their cut and everything else, but that's still a lot. That's still still quite a a comfortable amount from a a small app. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at kind of apps that I've made in the past, and they haven't even come close. Like, That's orders of magnitude. Yeah, me. this is just like a whole other level. I mean, if I had that idea for an app, and I thought I'll put that in the App Store, I would never in my wildest dreams expect it to make a million dollars. No. No matter how many ads and how many weird little dark patterns I use to try and present more ads and get the user to fall into ads and things. A million dollars. Can't believe it. I do remember coming across this app, actually, um, quite a few years ago now. And so I think there's something going on there in terms of it landed in the App Store probably at the right time as well. And I think there was a, a early App Store effect going on with it. So, you know, I'm not sure this is something you could necessarily do in today's App Store in quite the same way. Like I say, gut, gut feel. Uh, not, not to detract from its... You know, from that amount and, and, and what uh, um, and what the developer has said that they did, I'm you know, pretty sure that that's a success by any standards, right? Um, hmm. But I just think if you're sort of looking at it and going, okay, I could do that, well, mm, perhaps, but also I think it's perhaps a little bit of a different playing field these days. And it's probably worth, uh, worth mentioning as well that the developer doesn't own that app anymore. It's been sold off a couple of years ago. And again, if if you had a a viable app that was consistently making you good money, and you thought it was going to increase or you know maintain at that rate, I think I would be very cagey about the idea of 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 selling it on. 
So I, I kind of imagine that maybe there was a um, either a bit of a decline or, or an obvious kind of friction or something there, or if somebody just made them the right offer, you know. Um, but but it was obviously situationally better for them to get out of that market and get and give it to somebody else. I think in the the tweet thread it said something about like this wouldn't be allowed in today's app store. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like good while it lasted, but it wouldn't be possible today. Yeah, um, and I, I think he mentioned something about you know I sort of played the game a little bit with um, keywording to basically game the app store search. Yep, and again, again that's just kind of another sort of reminder, isn't it? How vital it is that you perform an app store search. I mean, I found that with uh, Armchair, especially in the last yeah. few months before I sort of canned the app and the company. Just I, I really, really struggled in the app store search and. I felt like at the end I was clutching at straws, but yeah, I always felt like somehow the App Store search is fundamentally a bit broken. Yeah. Um, to the point where like a Kodak, like the camera company, their app was appearing above mine when you search for Kodi Remote, just because Kodak contains the characters K, O, and D. Um, something's off there, I would yep. say, if uh, yep. that's that's the case. But. It's the App Store not really doing its job. Still not over that. <laughs> no, no, I can imagine that still stings a little bit. That was uh, not cool. Um, yeah, I, I think it it kind of reminds me, though, that that whole aspect of sort of optimizing for the App Store and that side of things is something that, you know, it's very, very worthwhile considering and thinking about. And it is something that I don't feel I've really got a good grip on, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think as I reboot my video mixing app go vj i think that i need to reconsider how i'm sort of presenting in the app store you know from screenshots down to copy down to subtitling down to um any extra words within the name and that sort of stuff i I feel like i need to sort of sit down and do a good you know couple hours on a, a weekend just sort of figuring out the right approach um i, I still sell the app you know it's it's still actually getting discovered by people but it sort of feels like well if i look at the stats and i look at how many um you know how many views that it's actually getting and that side of stuff as well compared to how many sales i'm making my my conversion rate's quite bad so i sort of feel like if i refocus on all of that then maybe i can sort of do a bit better and for in my head it's kind of part and parcel of the relaunch but there is an argument to be made that i could do that you know today and potentially optimize how the app is selling right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's there's something there for me to go away and kind of have a bit of a think about over the next week uh, and report back. Yeah, I would, um, on, on the basis of, of this app, I would maybe be tempted to crack open that Xcode project again and just see if there's something halfway shippable there and try and take it across the line, as it were. Yeah, yeah, very tempted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, just look at the, uh, the S-Inf. I mean, you didn't really expect... I don't think what you think, you know, tell me if I'm speaking for you here incorrectly, but I never got the impression you expected the response you got for that. No, not at all. So so it goes to show that you never, you know, quite can tell really, can you? No. And again, that was down to, it was down to luck in a lot of ways. Um, but it was also down to the fact that I was trying to put it out there as well. You know, if I hadn't put my foot forwards, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So yeah, you probably got like ten sales or something in a week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I I would have had people who had seen me tweet about it who were curious, 
And that would have been the extent of my advertising if I hadn't sort of pushed it to everywhere else. You know, I mean, it's a look whether they pick you up or not, but it's uh, you, you've got to be in it to sort of get anything back from it. So, mm. yeah, I, I think I learned a little bit with that as well. Yeah, I feel like I kind of learned a lot from you in a way from that. <laughs> Just kind of <laughs> sort of watching what happened. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Is it still sort of ticking along i just checked in on it earlier and i've made less than 10 sales in the last week so it's still not to be sniffed at is it no not at all and you know that complements the sales that i'm making from from go vj as well you know it sits with that uh so I'm, i'm quite happy that it's even selling at all uh but given that I put quite a bit of effort into sort of making sure it had a recording feature and 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 doing that sort of second round of of development for 1.1 I think I'm beginning to see that it's sort of leveled down to probably not worth me sinking weeks and weeks worth of, of extra development into it. If, if you sort of see what I mean, it's, it's kind of more a case of incremental stuff to just sort of keep it ticking now. So have you done the, rec- have you launched that, the recording stuff now? Yep. Yep. That's all out there. Um, okay. And I did, I did another push to try and see if anywhere would cover it again and, and, I don't think it's different enough and I think it's still sort of a case of it being too soon. Yeah, I think your time's better spent maybe trying to figure out what the next thing like this is going to be rather than keep pushing this thing forward. I I think so. That's that's certainly my gut feel and I've I've been returning back to my video mixing app as well um, just on a sense of that is still selling. I am supporting it and, you know, on that basis it, it needs a bit of love and it's needed that for the last two years easily mm-hmm. so yeah and, and that's that's a bit of a process that's going on at the moment actually because I'm, I'm sort of doing a lot of um of refactoring of the code base and that sort of stuff as well yeah i think that makes sense because that's kind of like a, it's a bigger app therefore i think a, a, an update is going to be better received for an app like that that's yep. got users that really care about the app versus like a novelty app oh, absolutely yeah um, yeah, and, and, and I think there's still something for me within the within what AirSynth does because I have plans to sort of turn that into something that would actually complement the the video mixing app. If I sort of build that into um, a control type of app that, that sends uh, MIDI signals, for example, then you know it becomes something else, and it becomes something that, that's perhaps got a little bit more utility than it has today. So uh-huh. I, I could see myself doing that, but again it's a, a time thing and, and, and that is something I only really want to be doing if it's not going to take me another three, four, five months, whatever and counting to sort of get together to release. It has to be a, a sort of much quicker job than that. So have you got any sort of like rough idea for like a, a, a release for GoVJ? Yeah. So at, at the moment what I'm doing is I'm, I'm kind of the, the app as it stands is it's an objective c code base it has um a couple of small screens are done in swift and and everything is in one gigantic storyboard and so a lot of what i'm doing at the moment is i've actually taken the navigation or the flow of the app away from the storyboard and i've brought that into a a coordinator object uh, which means that i've then got programmatic control and that that gives me back um quite a lot of what I appreciate in terms of app development these days I like to have that control Uh, and then I'm porting screens bit by bit 
away from Objective C and the storyboard into um, a nib file. So I'm not actually redoing all the all the constraints. I'm kind of just copy and pasting it out of the storyboard, dragging it over into um, a nib, copying it into there, and then linking everything up with a Swift View controller and, and porting the uh, the code. And um, so a lot of that is technical debt. A lot of that is getting this ready so that it's in a, a format that I feel happier adding new code to the code base. Uh, and I have to be careful. I'm sort of trying to make sure this isn't uh, a complete rabbit hole. So <laughs> some bits of the app I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just leaving as they are. And I, I'm getting it to a stage where I can kind of just replace bits. Uh, so right now I'm kind of re- rebuilding how the... Um, how the control works for the app. Um, it had a sort of drag and drop kind of system, uh, and I want to completely get rid of that. So that that will actually make it a bit easier to use. It should make discoverability better in terms of how people sort of first onboard into the app, uh, and it will actually make it easier for me to support going forwards as well, because it just means there's sort of a lot less kind of uh, bird's nest code, as it were, because the drag and drop system that I built four or five years ago uh, is is old now and it, it was a mess at the time because I was sort of still starting out with it all so I'm getting rid of that and in the process making the control of the app better and um, with that in place that then kind of leads me to being able to, to add MIDI support to the app as well so sort out the control system and then I can kind of re- rewire things in terms of being able to control with a MIDI controller as well because uh, the drag and drop doesn't presents a couple of issues where you can't really represent what's going on if you're controlling with a MIDI controller right. uh, I don't want to do a virtual drag and drop um, so I guess kind of to make sense of this what it is is that you're able to trigger video loops um, so they start playing and you have two channels that you can mix between so you have a concept with the drag and drop where you kind of drag the video into the channel you want it to play on. And what I'm getting rid of by doing that is I'm actually I'm getting rid of that drag and drop mechanism um, and having to introduce an idea of you select the channel and then whichever channel is selected, when you tap on the video, it will trigger it for that channel. So rather than you drag and drop into where you want it, you, you say which channel you want selected. And then anything you do after that is happening on that channel. So I'm, I'm structuring the UI around that at the moment. And by doing that, that makes it clearer because then when you're triggering from a MIDI controller, which has no capability to sort of represent track and drop, um, you know, you, you select your channel and then whatever you trigger on the MIDI controller is happening to that channel. So it, it kind of just, the, the work I'm doing at the moment kind of makes everything a bit clearer for when somebody's actually trying to control and use the app in, in more than one way. Is it, so is this going to be like a, like a Go VJ2 then? I think so. I, I think it is. Um, yeah, so, so there's going to be enough about it that's significantly different by the time I'm done that it, it feels like I should just give it version 2.0. Uh, it will be the uh, fourth anniversary of its launch in September time. And so, yeah, it kind of feels like, well, if it was never going to go to version two, yeah, yeah. And like I say, five years of development, I think, because I was prototyping five years ago. That's a thought, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Five years, blimey. I think what's happened in that five years? I know. 
I know this this led to me uh, doing what I do today. So this this led all the way from uh, at the time I was working in a analytics based job for a big energy company back in the UK, and I desperately wanted to be doing app development for a living. Go Go VJ was my uh, part of my ticket out of it in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'd say it was basically the the main the main part, wasn't it? Because that gave you credibility among other people that would hire you as a as an app developer. I would say. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it proved I could do could do the job. Uh, to to some degree, you know, it's worked as a portfolio piece and and, and got my foot through the door with places. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it never generated. Uh, the the living I was perhaps hoping for or whatever when I first started out with it and, and that's kind of what I thought was going to be my ticket out at one point uh, but that's that's never been, you know it adds up to that wasn't the point uh, just just proving I could do the work then led to to a route that uh, took me into this sort of work funny isn't it I guess I've always kind of thought that I still do to a large extent think that developing apps is going to be my ticket out of a regular job yeah. Um, but I suppose never say never because, like you know, something other things could come as a result of it. You know, much like they did for you. Absolutely. Um, but I, I still think that's the dream for me. Just sort of like being an indie and being able to work on my own products. Um, yeah. I shall keep trying. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm just fundamentally just not good enough at it because I feel like I've been doing it for so long. I probably should have had that success by now, in some ways. But I don't know. I don't know. I feel like perhaps in a lot of ways I've never actually had the time to dedicate to it properly so it's always been that thing on the side that I've never been able yeah. to give my full attention to and sort of the last five to ten years has sort of slipped by yep and it hasn't kind of happened but I don't know yeah <laughs> no it'd be interesting to see what would happen with a, a kind of clear shot as it were yeah but then part of me fears that as well because then if I still can't do it then it's like well that's a definite sort of failure then isn't it it's like you've got no excuses you've definitely failed at it <laughs> <laughs> yeah sounds really silly no it doesn't it doesn't and i had a bit of an experience like that when i first left the uh the, the job that i was in you know four or five years ago when i first left that uh, i decided i was going to make my iMessage app and i put a load of time into it you know, did did everything to sort of make it um a, a reasonable version 1.0 and it was a complete failure, absolutely complete failure. And at that point, I was full time on it for a good few weeks, and I had, like like you said before, no excuses at that point. Uh, I, I can say now that I learned a lot from it, you know. So I don't feel like the time was wasted. I, I, I learned new development skills, and I, I learned about the launch process a bit more. Yeah, because for me that was like I, I was launching to. Um, to a broad market, essentially, that I knew nothing about. And I think the lesson I learned there was that for somebody developing on their own, perhaps going after niches is going to be your best bet. If you sort of see what I mean. That that, that, that app was an app that let people make custom um, stickers uh, that they could then send in iMessage so you could take a photograph of yourself or anything um, and cut it out and, and then it would become a sticker. But the use case of that is anybody and kind of buried in that detail is that that kind of makes it nobody after a while. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's like, okay, anybody can use it, but how do you sell it to somebody? How do you have that conversation that sort of says, hey, you could really do with a custom sticker app? There's, there's no basis to have that, that conversation other than riding a bit of an initial wave for, for iMessage apps, you know, when everybody yeah. was talking about them, and, and that just didn't really happen. And that uh, whole and, thing kind of just fell flat, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And discoverability at that point um, was, was really rubbish, and it's a bit better now, but again, the ship has sort of sailed. Uh, I, th- I think what's really happening is people go for sticker packs, and if they want an app for a specific purpose, it kind of has to be... Uh, giving that purpose as an iPhone app uh, more than just being there in, in iMessage. You know, it's an, an iPhone app plus a bit of optional extra I, iMessage stuff. Uh, so everything about the way I went after it was was opposed to any success. Uh, but, uh, you know, I learned something with it. So I don't feel like the time was completely wasted. Had I needed that to turn an income to support me, it would have been monumentally a, a failure at the time and and so i guess i've learned from that in terms of how i would sort of approach things to to try and have something a bit more productive you know as it's like well maybe maybe that app idea just wasn't good enough to to sustain almost anything but there could have been something similar that there might have been a bit more niched um that could have done a, a bit better mm. Yeah, there's a part of me as well that thinks if I could just do indie all day, every day, I don't know whether I'd start to get a bit, I don't want to use the word depressed, but I think I'd end up getting a bit sort of lonely and a bit sad. Potentially. Um, And especially if it wasn't going very well, I feel like I'm just like devoting all of this time and it's just all pointless and um, maybe I should be doing something more, more productive, more, you know, financially rewarding with my time. So I feel like where it is at the minute, with me I feel like I've kind of got um, sort of my regular job that kind of funds normal life so that puts a tick in that box and then indie stuff is it, it doesn't matter if it's financially viable um, yeah. which I think frees me to spend more time sort of sweating the details and getting it right um, and that may mean that it can then sort of become a portfolio piece because there's no way I was showing anyone the code to armchair I was borderline ashamed of that like if i had to go to a job interview and open that up i'd been like oh i'd have to explain like well i just been this is the app that i sort of learnt on <laughs> so yeah it did a bunch of things wrong and you know i'm sure that they'd tear it to pieces but i, I feel like this is the app that or the app i'm working on now I, I could almost i have the time to to spend on it and not have to worry whether it's gonna you know make money to pay the mortgage or pay for this and pay for that so that's that's quite nice at the minute so on one hand i'm complaining saying well i've never had enough time to do it but i think right now it's exactly where i, where I want it yeah because obviously it's all um it's all going to change here tomorrow um Hev goes back to school um which is quite a big big thing i guess yeah so um, she works as a teacher yeah so she's going to go back and teach for a couple of weeks before the summer holidays uh which means i've taken two weeks away from my job uh, three weeks, in fact, um, to sort of take over at home. So that's going to be a, a bit of a change. Uh, so I'm, kind of, I'm sitting here now, Sunday night. Um, yeah, I feel quite apprehensive, actually, about how tomorrow's going to go. Yeah. Probably like, yeah, you probably see loads of messages on Slack being like, ah, oh, it's all going terribly. <laughs> <laughs> like screaming children. I'm just huddled in the corner, shaking. <laughs> <or something>, but... <laughs> 
All right, it'll be yeah. a bit a bit topsy turvy for a few days, but I'm sure you'll you'll reach a balance. I hope so. I feel like this is almost like the next two or three weeks is just temporary. Then it's I'm going to go back to work for well the summer holidays are sort of on with the school. Yeah. Then come September, um, then I'm going to reduce my hours down more significantly at work to be at home more. Yeah. Um, that is when I feel like I'm going to find like my rhythm with my sort of indie stuff. Um, like, you know, once we kind of get the afternoon nap sort of nailed, so that gives me a good couple of hours um, on a good day. Um, and kind of just like the routine of, you know, maybe like Heather doing marking her books at night, then I could be doing my stuff in the evening then. Yep. Um, whereas I feel at the minute it's all kind of a bit up in the air and, um, yeah, I'm not fully focused on it right now, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to that again because I feel like I've missed out the last six months since uh, since Oliver's been born and I've sort of gone back to work and it's all been different because Oliver's been here. We've got two kids now, that makes it harder. And Oliver's a baby, which makes it like double hard. And yeah feel like the dust is maybe beginning to settle but there's maybe just one or two more plumes of dust that need to come up yet i <laughs> tomorrow when i take over yeah. for a, the short term and then i guess maybe again in september because they'd have probably had the summer holidays to get used to being around hev again then it's kind of like surprise guys i'm back <laughs> and then, yeah yeah i have to get used to me again i think you just need to make sure that um like the next couple of weeks is going to be a limited run so you're not really looking to be productive on side projects in that time or kind of making that that dedicated room for it mm-hmm. yeah and then come september your first week or two is going to be the same deal again just as everybody gets into that rhyming routine of it and and i think if you don't pressurize yourself too much for sort of any any immediate output from anything other than than kind of getting into that routine then i think that might be the better way of attacking it but yeah. i can also kind of see that once you are in a rhyme and a routine and you've got a space for kind of working on, on these sort of things, you know, wherever that space is, whether it's like you say at the end of the day, when, when you, know, you and your wife are, are, are both working kind of on your own, own respective things, or whether you can kind of grab specific times in the day where it works out that you can work on something for a bit. Uh, once you're in that routine and, and you've got that, it does become easier to kind of keep nudging something along you know it's that it's that when you've got that room for it and you can just sort of keep showing up every day and giving it a little bit more a little bit more even if it's like you know 20 percent, 10 percent of what you would have um if you were doing something full-time it's still moving forwards uh yeah. and then and then the beauty of that is you can sort of start to plan for that you can start to kind of think about what you would do um it also means that when you've got a project that's nudging forwards if you can take um arrange things anyhow where you've you've got a weekend day or a day off or something that you can arrange where you can sling some more time at it um it kind of means that you can kind of plan for those events if you're sort of thinking about well okay i need a saturday or a sunday where i just sit down and i get the launch page sorted you know, you can start planning for those sort of events um, once you've kind of got that incremental thing going on. Uh, whereas when you're kind of just trying to grab time at random, you you don't know when you're going to need that sort of time. So you can't plan for it. So it just doesn't happen. But that's kind of been what I found anyway. It's been that sort of uh, getting AirSynth launch, for example, started when I sort of started carving out um, specific time at the beginning of the day before I'd gone to work to sort of 
do a little bit do a little bit more um and, and that that was kind of how i sort of started getting that together i, th- I think at the minute because i haven't really gotten into it massively um almost feels like it's going to be a bit of an effort to start again uh, yeah to kind of like figure out get my bearings um so i kind of feel like i want to sort of crack that and then just try and build like habits make it sort of like a bit of get a bit of rhythm to it so yeah like you were saying a little bit here a little bit there a little bit here a little bit there but then there's like a pattern to that and you know it'll take me longer i think that's the biggest thing i need to get in my head around is that this will take longer you know in a week i will not get as far as i would if i was on it all the time for a week yep um so i just need to kind of brace myself for that but in a way I've, i've been in a situation before where uh you know, I've had a week on something and I'm not entirely sure I'm productive that entire week. No. Um, I, I, it fascinates me, this whole thing. And I keep, I think about it a lot. I remember Hef was on half term and she was like away with her family. She went to see her mum, then she went over to see her dad. And basically the, she was away for the whole week with Charlie and I just stayed at home. Um, so I had the whole week to work on um, armchair at the time. And I think for most of that week while I was sat at my computer I feel like most of that time was massively unproductive and I was only sat at the computer because I knew I could but I wasn't really making progress I feel like I could have made just as much progress if I'd stepped away for like a third of the day every day yep if not more and I don't know whether that's because I knew I had lots of time so I just basically took all of the time anyway even whether or not I needed it or not uh from my experience that would be a truism for me yeah yeah, uh, when I when I first left, yeah, my my old job, and started doing iOS development full time, and I was kind of working on my own stuff for that initial period. I was going down to a um, co working space, and there were quite a few days down there where I should have just done something else. Really, it was kind of a case of I was I was I was there, I was showing up, I was on my computer doing my stuff, but not really doing it in a productive fashion mm. you know and, and a lot of time sort of spent down blind alleys and and um and just kind of slacking off in some ways as well um and not not being sort of fully fully focused with it uh, because i had the time to, to not be fully focused with it yeah there was there was one day i think of that week that i was on my own um that it got to like the end of the day uh probably about six o'clock and I look back on, like, what have I actually done today? Yeah. And it kind of boiled down to, I could have probably done that in two hours. If I knew I only had two hours, I would have just pulled my finger out and I'd have done it. But because I had all day, I just took all day. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, part of me wonders whether this is almost, you could look at it as like, oh, well, I don't have all the time to work on it, therefore it would be slower. Actually, the fact that I've got not a lot of time means that in that time I'll be sort of productive, like sprinting rather than just jogging. Yep. So lots of short little sprints rather than just one big long jog that takes all day. It, it yeah. can kind of inform your decision-making process as well. Because with, with some things, certainly with development, you can kind of go, well, okay, what's the, the minimum I do for this for this particular piece? You know, this screen or whatever. What What's the bare minimum it needs to do to work? And then you, at the other end of the scale, there's how would this look if it was completely earth-shatteringly beautiful 
you know and i've got animations everywhere it fades in it does this you know and and you add all these things together and then like if you're going to do it that way you're probably overdoing it after a point and so when you've kind of got limited time it doesn't necessarily force you all the way down to the barest minimum you know blank background a, a single button with a bit of text and that's it or whatever you know it doesn't kind of mean you have to do that but you can kind of do somewhere in the middle or a little bit maybe closer to the the minimum but not not all the way down the end that leads you sort of doing like you know single screens taking you two weeks or whatever um when you've got limited time if you focus down to just sort of like like i say a, a bit above the minimum um but not all the way out then you can kind of make better progress uh, whereas unlimited time, the tendency to just sort of go, I'm going to animate this, I'm going to make this really beautiful and kind of add all these things together. And before you know it, you've blown a day out and you've still not got anything that looks visually anywhere close to what you wanted. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. So, I th- yeah, I think there's something to be said for kind of small snatches of time where you've got to, got to focus down just for sort of kind of cracking that whip a little bit. Uh, if I had my indie time again as it were, and I, I was kind of suddenly full-time indie again now, I think I'd structure my days very, very differently. So I, I would not try and have um, eight hours a day in the seat working as if I was in a regular job, you know, even if I had eight hours a day to go do that. I don't think that's the way I would structure my time. Okay, what would you do? probably try and limit it to three or four really yeah because i suspect that the actual amount of productive time that i've i ever spend you know being fully productive doing development is three or four hours i think really um just in terms of like yeah just just critically assessing how productive i could actually be i think that's the way i would spend it it doesn't mean i would be you know sitting back just playing games or something in the remaining time of my day i think it would just mean that i would kind of change the cadence and what i do so i'd probably do a bit more planning work a bit more admin work um in the remaining time of the day uh and then otherwise kind of focus down on on stuff to the side of of the development so skill building but in other ways uh whether that's you know actually doing something as a a craft or a hobby or something like that but something that, that kind of takes my brain out of the uh the dev mode but i'm still kind of doing something um right, because okay. I, I sort of find that kind of that sort of stuff ends up complementing what you do in the end anyway that that's my kind of hypothetical utopia you know time enough yeah. to kind of get down get the dev done and, and uh, but then also kind of time enough to to do a bit of um all the kind of prep work and stuff that supports the dev and to focus on kind of building other skills and other sides of myself out a little bit more Uh, yeah that's an interesting thought i saw um i saw a thing about uh, i think it's like a netflix documentary and something that was said on it really stuck with me like to this day um it's this guy he's like an illustrator and he was doing a front cover for i think like one of the big magazines like the New Yorker or, or Time or, or something like that. Yep. And he, what he said was that like he was probably only productive for maybe like two or three hours a day. Yep. But he never knew when those two or three hours were going to show up. 
<laughs> so he had to show up sort of like nine till five or nine till six or whatever to allow those two or three creative hours the opportunity to show up during that window of time. Yeah. So he might only get like one till three or one till four as his productive time, but he has to be there nine till six. To, to grab it. Just to make sure he's there to sort of catch it when it does. Yeah. So I don't know whether that's an element of that, like me saying, you know, I'll spend all day sort of you know, banging my head against a brick wall, not getting very far and probably only getting two or three hours worth of decent stuff done. Maybe that's the same thing. Um, so what yeah. I guess I'm saying is, when I, if I'm saying, well, I can only work between like two and four when the boys nap, so those two hours will be my productive time. Is the productive time going to come in that window? Mm. So that's that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think the reality is is that you won't just have that time. There'll be time spent where you're kind of, you know, you you may have a few minutes in the time earlier on in the day to sort of think about what you're going to be doing. Uh, there may have been time in the evening before to sort of say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get this done in that time. And you kind of prime your brain, you know, you're sort of kind of thinking about it, but not thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and as long as that's not completely lifting you out of yourself, so you're not being present, you know, with the kids and doing other stuff, then that's, that's fine. That's fair enough. That I think that's how a lot of people work. And I think that that kind of like priming your brain or getting yourself into that that mode is actually part of what what is the kind of wasted time as it were you know in, in, in a working day it is actually it's just that example that you gave before of the of the artist you know where he doesn't know when it's going to strike it's kind of because all of those cogs have been sort of set whirring uh when he's been been exploring other routes or kind of grinding his gears or not feeling very productive in the rest of the day um it's still kind of part of it i i guess what i'm thinking of when i sort of said about my you know imaginary utopia indie life um one thing that i, I said just then is is that i would be doing other things that would kind of be supporting the development you know i'd be doing hobbies or things that kind of skill built or or took me away from the dev but kind of the act of doing them supports the process uh, so you can be mulling something over, perhaps. Exactly. So a good example of something I did do in, in, in my sort of small indie stint is I, I ran. I ran a lot more um, than you know, I was doing when I was in, in full-time work because I could just kind of put my boots on, get out the door, go do. And and, and I would do that and, and kind of put some, some music on while I did and what would happen in the course of a, a half hour, 40 minute run is I would probably have a good angle on what I was going to attack next development wise, because that's just where my mind would go, hmm. you know? And, and, and so that you could sort of say that's probably some of the same process of sitting there looking at a blank screen, grabbing a pad, doing that sort of stuff. It's just happening in a different location. You know, you you can't really stop yourself from from kind of attacking the problem like that. Yeah, there's also a kind of counter to what, you know, the whole illustrator guy having to turn up nine till five to make sure that he's there to capture the moment. There's also sort of the other argument to that is that there's a lot of research done about uh, students that have jobs. Yep. While they're at like uni or college, I guess, if you're in the States, um, in that some people think, oh, well, you shouldn't have a job at college, so then you can focus more on your work. But then not having time pressure, 
almost encourages kind of like goofing off and you know not fully focusing because you know you've got all the time in the world but actually those that do have a job um and the fact they don't have that time when it does come time to do their sort of college or uni work it's a very kind of focused effort yeah therefore they tend to perform better and (laughs) do just as well if not better than the people that didn't have jobs so like i say i wonder whether this kind of time pressure that my situation puts upon me I could maybe just, you know, that could almost leverage that as like motivation. Like you don't have a lot of time, so it's 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 time to crack on now. Yeah, and you've only got two hours, so sprint, 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 and then finished, and then we do something else, and then maybe yeah. revisit it again in a few hours in the evening once uh, the boys are in bed. Um, so yeah, I think I'm gonna. Have, that's that's the the mindset I have to kind of take with me. I think um, not least because I'm not sure I've got a lot of other choice, but I think it's <laughs> I think it um <laughs> I think it stacks up. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button, that will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads spelt with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com, again that's RoboHeads spelt with a Z. How about you Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot.com.